Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Hi there, folks. So glad that you could make it. Pull up a chair, dim the lights. I have a few spooky stories I'd like to share with you this evening. But before we launch into our first tale, Christmas is right around the corner. And if you're looking for that last-minute gift for that loved one in your life, look no further than Cryptocrate. The first and only monthly box subscription service for fans of cryptozoology and the paranormal. Each month, subscribers receive a box full of cryptid-themed items carefully curated by yours truly. Trust me, if you know someone that enjoys Bigfoot, Mothman, or literally any other mysterious creature, this is the gift for them. And it goes without saying that it makes a great gift to purchase for yourself. As an added bonus, I'm offering 20% off your very first crate by using coupon code MONSTERS88 at checkout. Simply visit CryptidCrate.com to complete your purchase today. Alright, let's get back to the show. Last night was the Gemidid Meteor Shower. I sat outside for a few hours with my fiancé and watched as nearly two dozen bright lights streaked across the sky. As magical as that sight was, I couldn't help but think of what was beyond all that, what was really out there. I stared at each constellation that I could pick out, imagining what worlds may be orbiting these distant stars. The possibilities are literally endless. But during all this, something strange happened. I began watching a star in the sky. Now, it wasn't necessarily a bright star, nor was it part of any constellation that I knew of. It was simply a star that I decided I was going to watch for a few minutes. That's when it did something amazing. It began to move ever so slightly. It would seem to glide a little to the left and then back again to the right, not moving far, but far enough that I could notice it. Now, obviously, this caught my attention, so I quickly ran inside to fetch my glasses. I don't have terrible eyesight, but things just get a little bit blurry at a distance. So, sure enough, this cured the issue. Once my vision was clear, I could tell that the star was not actually moving, but instead, as I brought up in last week's episode, my eyes were struggling to focus, resulting in shifty eye movements causing the star to appear to move. Well, apparently, I was not the only person thinking about last week's call out of the state of Michigan. Melissa, who also hails from Michigan heard that caller's account and realized she'd experienced something very similar. This is her story.
This is Melissa, and I'm calling from Florida. Um, I just moved down here. I lived in Michigan all my life, though, and I just listened to the last episode about the gentleman that saw what he thought was a star, and it was moving over the skies in Michigan. Um, I saw the same thing. I was in northern Michigan. Well, I don't know if I saw the exact same one he saw, but I saw the same uh, type of thing. I, I was in northern Michigan, and I saw it more than once, too. I saw... Um, about the size of a star, about as bright as a star. And in northern Michigan, out in the country, there's no city lights, so there's no light contamination at all. You can see the northern lights sometimes up there. And I was looking at the sky, and I saw um, it looked like a star, but it was moving. And I know you said it could have been trying to focus, but this was moving way, this wasn't trying to focus. This would move, uh, you know, from my perspective, it would move 6, 8, 12 inches in one direction. And then it would, on a dime, it would stop. And then it would go back the other direction, just as far, if not farther. And then it would go, um, you know, up. And it would stop. And it would go left. And it would stop. And it would go right. And it would stop. And it would go down. And it was like, it wasn't just trying to focus. It was moving a lot. And I was watching this for a while, trying to figure out what it was. And I'm like, it's not a satellite. It's not an airplane. It's not a star. It would move and it would stop just like instantly. Boom, dead stop. And it would stay there for a few seconds. And then it would move in another direction, up, down, back the other way. It would just, it would move in another direction. And then... All of a sudden, it went away from me, and it just went, and it was gone. And it was gone in the blink of an eye. I don't know of anything that we have that can move that fast. I don't know what it was. I know it wasn't a shooting star, because shooting stars don't move and then stop and then go the other way, you know, several times. Um, but, yeah, I, I saw that in, in the skies over Michigan, too, and I... I saw it more than once. I probably saw it three or four times on different occasions in the in the twenty some years that I lived in northern Michigan. So, um, just thought I would let you know that I've seen what that guy saw, and I don't think it was just his eyes focusing because it moved quite a distance, really, really fast. Um, love the podcast. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa. Now these reports are a funny thing. I know I mentioned the eye-focusing issue in the opener, and in regard to last week's call, and I truly believe that that is what I experienced, but it seems that both last week's caller and Melissa are witnessing something that's moving far too much to be a simple eye-focusing issue. So naturally, I did what I do, and I did some digging. I found countless examples of people witnessing the exact same phenomenon, but not a single explanation outside of the eye issue I spoke of and regular, everyday satellites. And yeah, satellites can be seen by the naked eye, but they travel in a singular direction, slowly and smoothly across the sky, a trajectory that does not align with these sightings whatsoever. So that leaves us with a UFO, an unidentified flying object. Now, I'm not saying that it's aliens, but it is, by definition unidentified. I'm going to conduct further research into this. Hopefully someone somewhere is able to explain what exactly is going on here.
Thanks again, Melissa, for sharing and lending credence to last week's story. As you know, I receive many submissions each week. Some are cryptid in nature. Others, like Melissa's, are reports of strange lights in the sky, while still others are simply too strange to label. But a majority of the calls I receive involve ghosts and hauntings. So with that said, the next few calls are about just that, ghosts. Our first of the night is a creepy story about a noisy presence in a Connecticut home. This is Nick's story. Hi, Derek. This is Nick. I love your show. I've uh, been thinking about calling him for a while, but uh, finally decided to. Um, I have a couple stories for you, but I'll go ahead and start out with this one. Um, I live in Connecticut. Um, lived here for most of my life, except for about three and a half years. Um, lived in Virginia, um, down in the Chesapeake Bay area. Um, moved back to Connecticut in uh, February of 2017. So this story probably took place in, say, right around... February of 2014. Um, I moved in with my boss at the time that hired me and moved me down there. I lived in an old um, southern plantation house. There was um, really nothing weird when I first moved down there. They didn't tell me anything. I lived in a a room over the garage and steadily started noticing that there was a bunch of weird noises in the attic that was connected to my room but not connected to any other part of the house. There's a bunch of weird old stuff in there and it was kind of hard to get into it. Um, Not to mention there was crawl spaces that connected the entire um, house from my room. Um, I would hear scratching on the walls which you know you can write off as mice or something like that but what was more um, I guess suspicious was the sound of footsteps running back and forth throughout the entire attic on the other side of the wall of my room. I didn't really think too much of it. Um, Didn't really know anyone there, so I was alone most nights. But as I started uh, making new friends and started getting a girlfriend and all that good stuff, I noticed that when we'd be hanging out, they would be the ones to bring it up, the the noises, not me and myself. And, you know, kind of little confirmation bias there. I didn't really know what to think of it, so we would start to try and communicate with whatever was going on and, you know, talk out loud and say, like, hey, what's going on? Um, we would hear noises in return, um, banging on the walls, running back and forth. If you went into this attic, it's important to note that there was uh, largely an unfinished floor to it. So if you were to run back and forth, you'd fall right through onto the rest of the house. So this was a little baffling. Not to mention that for anyone to get up there, they would have to come through my um, frog or family room over a garage living area. So I can pretty much guarantee that no one was up there. I would hear someone walking right on the other side of my wall where there was uh, crawl space for next to my bed. At night, I would tell 
whatever this was, and I'd be really tired to, to go away. I would hear it running, climbing, and then running up through the garage. It's a weird story. Uh, this, I guess the most important part of the story is that it went on a lot, and very frequently. When I talked to the homeowners, they didn't, you know, dismiss me, but they basically said that, don't tell us about this. We hear noises too, and we try to ignore them. Um, they had a, a young daughter living with them when she was like maybe 14 or so, and she was evidently terrified of this because she almost broke down in tears when I told them this, and they approached me afterwards and told me, uh, you know, please don't talk about those sort of things around her. Um, yeah, never felt afraid or anything, just very much so like I was not alone um, all the time. <laughs> and if I ever uh, spoke out loud or asked um, if anything was there, it was almost like, you know, instantaneous that I would hear a response in some form or another. And yeah, one time or two times that could be your mind playing tricks on you or looking for things to relate to what you're maybe thinking. But this was all the time, uh, so much so to the point where uh, near the end of my time living there, before me and my girlfriend got an apartment together, she wouldn't even stay there with me. She was terrified. Uh, I, I would have to stay awake until she went to bed just so that she would feel comfortable enough to go to sleep. It was pretty awesome to me to have all this experience happening and have a non-threatening aspect to it. But my friends and my girlfriend, who she would stay over pretty frequently, you know, did not think it was awesome at all and were pretty, pretty rattled by all this. But yeah, it's about that. Um, I have some other stories. Call back another time. Love your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for the submission. At first listen, it seems obvious what might have tormented Nick in his apartment. Rodents. Oftentimes, squirrels, rats, mice, and even chipmunks make their way into homes for shelter. And these things can be quite noisy. A running squirrel can easily sound like footsteps, especially when you are already a bit freaked out. And talking or yelling at them might actually be effective. Once they hear a human voice, it's likely that they would retreat and hide, causing the sounds to cease. Of course, an explanation like this comes with evidence. Proof in the shape of a stash of nuts or acorns, chewed or moved installation, and even scat or a terrible odor. So, a quick investigation of the attic area could confirm or dismiss this theory altogether. Now, this does remind me of something strange that occurred when I was a kid. Long-time listeners may remember me talking about a visit to my grandparents in Jacksonville, Florida when I was younger. That's where I saw the full-bodied apparition of a Native American dancing on several occasions. Well, while I slept in the living room one evening, I was jarred awake by my parents and grandparents rushing to the front door. As it turns out, all of the adults who were sleeping in the rear of the house heard something strange run across the roof of the home. Something large and heavy. Apparently, this happened several times until finally, they all leapt from bed only to find nothing there. Sadly, I slept through the entire ordeal, so I never actually heard any of the sounds. 
But perhaps what both Nick and my family experienced were simply shifty squirrels. Or maybe there was something more sinister afoot. Thanks again, Nick, for sharing. Our next call is a familiar voice. You may remember John from his Massachusetts Bigfoot encounter a few seasons ago. Well, he is back with a subtle yet interesting story. Hey, Derek. This is John F. I called um, not too long ago with the Bigfoot story, the humanoid story from Bridgewater, Mass. Um, I just wanted to call back with a story. Another story that um, it's not really, it's not a story. It's just something that happened that was really peculiar. It's it's the only thing I can really um, cut it down to and it contributed to uh, paranormal. It's the only thing that's ever happened to me that's been really paranormal or supernatural, something that I can't explain. Um, it happened a few years ago. It was, I want to say 2012, 2013, not long after my brother died. My brother who was 29, his name is David. He's from Boston, Mass. He uh, died from a drug overdose, um, and he was on life support. We we had to pull the plug. Actually, it was he was um, declared deceased on Christmas, 2012. So this, I kind of I think of that when when I'm telling my story because it wasn't long after that that this happened. It's not really, it's not that big of a deal. I don't even know if you'd play it because it's not really a great story but I was in my apartment with my girlfriend Gabriella um, we've been going out over 10 years we're engaged to be married but we were having an argument over something I don't remember it's probably something to do with money something petty but we had an argument shortly after I go to sit down in the living room watch TV and I had a, my food and I had a drink. Just then, I see my cup slide about five inches. I, I saw that and I kind of, I blocked it off like it never happened. And right away, I automatically just shut, shut, shut down to it. Like I ignored it. But I, I kept thinking about that since, especially around that time, because I can't really explain that, you know, I can, I can, I can, you know, try to, you know, um, shoot it down by saying it could have been condensation or water under the cup that, you know, it kind of makes the cup float a little bit and move. But this, this was a full cup of soda, I believe. So it, it was pretty heavy and it slid. It just went and moved and slid about four or five inches. That's not a conversation. I can't explain that. It's the only thing, um, I don't know if it's my brother or what, but it was very weird. Also, the place where I live, you know, it's a Bridgewater Triangle, all this stuff. But um, I've never really experienced too much when it comes to ghosts. I do know where I live used to be at Old Fairgrounds. So I don't know that maybe the grounds could have something to do with that. Just the property. Other people have described things like that. Also, the man across the hall died right before that. So that could be something i'm not sure 
we had a blizzard and the electricity shut off. His oxygen was shut off for a day. He, his girlfriend woke up. He was dead. It was sad. I knew the guy, but I just wanted to share that with you. Um, and this is true, you know, unlike a lot of other stories I hear on this channel. But just want to say that. Thanks, buddy. Love your podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, John. I'm very sorry to hear about your brother's passing. I know all too well how difficult it is to deal with such a loss. In fact, my brother would have turned 31 this coming Sunday. So I decided to play your call tonight as a sort of nod to him. Now I can't say whether or not your brother returned to visit, or if condensation simply moved the glass. But what I can say is that we all hope our loved ones are somewhere, conscious, and maybe even visiting from time to time. Thank you again, John, for your call. Our next story also details strange sounds in the home. This is Alyssa's call. Hi, Derek. My name is Alyssa. I just found your podcast a little while ago, um, but I'm starting from the beginning. So I'm only into season one, and I love the format of the show. I love your voice. I just I love this podcast altogether. It reminds me of Art Bell and Coast to Coast. It's so much fun listening to all the stories. But I kind of realized that if I didn't call in a story, um, you know, I, I'm not really contributing to the show, and I don't want to run out of episodes. So I figured I'd go ahead and call and give you my scariest experience. I don't have an explanation for the story, and I don't know what caused it. I've tried to rule a few things out, but <clears throat> I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, at the time, I was in middle school, so I was like maybe 12, 13, maybe 11. Um, I was in a home study program because of some family issues we were having. So during the day, um, my middle sister was in school, and I was at home with my mom, my youngest baby sister, and my stepfather at the time. And one day they decided that they would go ahead and they would go out to visit my grandmother so she could play with the baby and I had a bunch of schoolwork so I asked them if they wouldn't mind leaving me behind and letting me just work on my stuff. Uh, my mom had let me stay at home and babysit before so it wasn't unnatural for her to leave me alone at home. So they left and they let me do what I needed to do. So I remember I was looking down at my books and my room was all the way, okay so you'd walk into the house and then to the left of you was a long hallway where all the bedrooms were. My bedroom was the last door on the left. And I was sitting in my bed, which was facing my bedroom door. And I could hear footsteps coming down the hall. And it started really softly. And then it would get a little bit louder when it came closer to the door. And there was a little air conditioning vent right of the door at the bottom, right next to the floor. So I could see into the hallway through that little air conditioning vent, and I didn't see anything. So my mind immediately went to, oh, it's our cat. We have three cats at this time. We had two kittens and like a mama cat. And I looked over to my, to my side on the blankets and all three cats were rolled up on the bed. So I kind of stopped and I stopped breathing and I tried to listen to see if it was like the air conditioning, what it was. I wanted to hear what it was. And I could hear it coming down, the footsteps just start all over. It sounded like they were coming from right in front of the door, 
all the way down to right just before my doorway. And it just kept repeating, and it was soft footsteps on the carpet. Just the sound of, like, shoes on a carpet. I don't know. It was so surreal. And I was I was so freaked out. I, I called my mom crying. I told her I could hear something, and it wasn't the cat. And I could hear the footsteps getting faster. So I threw the phone down. I got up with, like, all of the strength I had and slammed my bedroom door shut because I didn't want to see what it was. I was so scared of whatever it was finally making its way all the way down the hall and into my room. So I'm on the phone with her telling her there's someone in the house. I'm in tears. I'm shaking. I'm shaking just talking about it. It was so traumatic for me. And I had snot all on my face and tears. And she kept trying to tell me to stay quiet so he didn't come into the room. And my dad was coming to get me. I just kept screaming for whatever it was to go away. And I was so, so shaken up. Oh, my gosh. And the footsteps would get faster and faster and it sounded like it was just it was just messing with me at this point and um eventually I heard like loud stomping down the hall and my door busted open and it was my stepdad and he grabbed me and he hugged me and he tried to calm me down and after we kind of calmed down he walked around the house to see if someone had come into the house all the doors were locked all the windows were locked everything was fine and we just we don't know what it was but I didn't want to be alone for a while <laughs> after that. Um, I, was, I try to think if maybe it was the air conditioning or something, but it wasn't an old house, and the air conditioner didn't trickle or anything. I know some air conditioners kind of have, like, a repetitive setting, but I didn't do that, and I, I, I couldn't figure out what it was, and it was only me in the house at the time, so no one else could have done it, but I still I still get freaked out. I just, I really didn't want to see whatever it was. But I remember that was, that was the scariest part of it, was not knowing what it was and not wanting to know what it was. Um, well, I, I hope that you can use my story and I hope it helps out in some of the later episodes. I, <laughs> maybe I'll hear it once I get caught up, but right now I'm just getting ready to start season two. So thank you for all you do. Bye. Thank you, Alyssa, and especially thank you for having that mentality. You guys, the callers and submitters, are the real stars of this show. Without your stories, I'd just be playing YouTube clips and rambling about my past experiences. So thank you for contributing and helping to ensure the show continues on. Now as for your experience, with an encounter like Alyssa's, it's very difficult to pin down or even approximate where the sounds may have been coming from. As Alyssa said... It's an old house, and old houses make creepy sounds. But then again, she lived there. She spent time there. You'd think that she would be accustomed to all of those strange noises. Thanks again, Alyssa, for the submission. Our next story takes us to my old haunt, no pun intended. The following story is Kate's from Colorado. Hey Derek, uh, this is Kate from Colorado, and uh, I heard your call for more stories, so I thought I'd call in with one of my own. I actually grew up in a house that was kind of haunted. It was an old house built in the 20s in Los Angeles. Um, It's in the Hollywood Hills, and it kind of creaked and moaned all the time. And I remember when we first moved in, my mom brought us together, and we were really young, and she just told us, there are ghosts in this house, be nice to them. 
tell them if you don't like them, tell them to go away. But always be nice. Don't don't be mean to the ghosts. And we completely freaked out about that and had nightmares. And my parents got a big fight about it. But I think she was kind of right. We don't really talk about it too much anymore. But there's definitely something in the house. Um, an old woman died in actually my sister and I's bedroom before we um, before we moved in. And she died of a heart attack of old age, but she was really lonely. And um, I guess a few things that happened. One was we had a basement room, and my mom's into I Ching, so there were some iron bells hanging in there. Really, really heavy bells. Like, you have to, you have to like, shake them to get them to move. And I was down there reading, and one day the bell just rang really, really loudly. And nothing else moved. The the uh, the knob on the bell was moving, but nothing else. Um, kind of freaked me out, so I went back upstairs where there was more light and got out of there for a little while. Um, other times, everyone in the house has heard their name called without being anyone else being there. Um, I heard my name called really, really loudly one time. I was in the shower, and it sounded like my mom was um, in danger and trouble. She was just screaming my name. And I just ran out of the shower as fast as I could and ran downstairs. And my mom's just sitting at the dining room table reading a book. No problem. Um, and she was pretty freaked out, and I was pretty freaked out by it. Um, I've never seen anything, but we have, oh, man, things getting knocked over, things kind of moving, um, like items from the kitchen ending up in bedrooms and bathrooms without really anyone touching them or talking about them and uh yeah it's i mean honestly it's become really familiar to me and so now i wouldn't ever want to live in a house that wasn't a little old and had a presence but yeah i've got some other stories but i figured that one might be good um haunted houses are always kind of my favorite i think that if you are just kind to the ghost or kind to the spirit and tell them thank you but you're not really into it right now or Thank you. I thanks for being around here. I, I see you. I hear you. I understand that you're here. They really appreciate that because I feel like a lot of times they they're probably pretty lonely. So um, yeah, when I move into a house, I thank the house for letting me be there now, and it's brought pretty good vibes in my life. But yeah, I guess I sound like one of those crazy Colorado people, older people that believes in ghosts. But this all took place in Los Angeles, and um. I actually haven't had as many crazy experiences in the mountains as I have in L.A. Um, I don't really know why that is, but, um, yeah. Anyway, I hope this is usable, and I really love your show, and thank you for doing it. It's great to hear everyone's experiences, and there have been some really, it's really uh, inspired me. So thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kate. The infamous Hollywood Hills has some serious paranormal history. A few years back, my fiance Sarah took me on a ghost tour of Hollywood for my birthday. It was fascinating, to say the least. However, there is one story from that area that I find most interesting. The death and ghost of actress Peg Antwistle. Hello, I'm Simon Whistler, you're watching Top Tens Net, and in the video today, we're looking at the top 10 haunted Hollywood locations. 
Hollywood, the legendary place where dreams come true, is apparently also a mecca for ghosts. Perhaps this is unsurprising, given that it's also the graveyard of ambition. It's the city where stars shine bright, but dreams are torn apart, and beneath the glitz and glamour lurks a seedier underworld of mystery and violence. Is it really so strange to imagine that movie idols and would-be stars are still desperately trying to avoid obscurity by getting the attention of the living from beyond the grave? Number 10. The Hollywood Sign Is there more iconic a symbol of Tinseltown than the Hollywood Sign? The landmark is instantly recognizable to people across the world, but they might not be aware of its spooky reputation. Access to the sign is forbidden and has been for many years, but that hasn't stopped some people from trying their luck on the rugged hike to the top of the hill. The site is reportedly a hotspot for paranormal activity, which many commentators link to the death of a struggling young actress named Peg Entwistle. Peg committed suicide at the sign in 1932 by throwing herself off the letter H. Now that's not an event that Sesame Street is likely to reference anytime soon. There have been numerous reports of a blonde woman dressed in 1930s-style clothing who appears to glide around the surrounding trails in Griffith Park in a daze. She is often accompanied by the strong scent of gardenias, which happen to be Peg's favorite fragrance. That clip was taken from a post by YouTube user Top Tens, and a link to the full video can be found in the show notes on the website. If you ever find yourself in Hollywood, skip the touristy stuff and book yourself a ghost tour. I promise it's well worth it. Thanks again, Kate. Rounding out our ghostly experiences for the evening, a few Shadow Man encounters. First, from Isaac in Florida. Hello, this is Isaac from Central Florida. I'm calling again for a story for you. Um, this one happened on around 2008. Um, I'm a custodian for the um, Pasco County School Board. And uh, a certain school I was working at uh, here in Central Florida, I was, um, I worked night shift. So uh, this would have been around 10, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night that this um, particular event happened. Um, I was cleaning bathrooms in one of our buildings. And this was a very, this is one of those long buildings that had the agriculture room and the uh, computer lab and that, those kind of rooms in it and um the school had the school itself was very old it had been there since um for like 100 years but certain parts of it were renovated new while other parts were still old and um you know from many years ago and the particular building i was in was one of the newer additions but it sat right behind one of the older buildings and that building all the rooms were like had outside doors and as you look down the sidewalk, you can see the, you know, there was lights over the awning illuminating on the way down and then it held back um, toward the west. And uh, there was some restrooms down there on the corner. Well, anyway, I'm in the room I'm working in and I have the lights in the building off, but I have the bathroom lights on. And I'm using a machine called a Kyvac. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with what that is, but it's basically a machine that has a high pressure hose on it and a big water tank. And you, you roll it around, and you use it to um, you know, blast, go inside the bathroom and spray everything down. Then it has a vacuum on it that you suck things up with. Well, um, I'm using that machine to clean these restrooms, and I'm rolling up the hose on it. You know, and I'm sitting there rolling up the hose, and I'm just looking around, you know, glancing. I look down through the building I'm working in, 
down the hallway on the building in front of me, down the sidewalk. And there at the corner, a shadow figure, a, you know, what you would, the classic thing that you would see on these ghost hunting TV shows, uh, a demonic presence, whatever it was, it was completely pitch black, a very dark, featureless figure. Uh, it looked around the corner. It, it stepped around the corner and was looking at me, and I saw its head, and I saw its shoulder uh, protruding around the corner. And um, it was just standing there looking at me, and it was probably about five to eight seconds. We stood there looking at each other, and then it ducked around the corner real quick. So, um, you know, I was a little little freaked out, but I've seen this kind of thing my entire life, so it doesn't really scare me. But um, it was more like interest me. Anyway, so, so I'm rolling up my hose and everything, and I keep looking down that way, and there it is again. It steps up from around the corner. And it's looking at me, and you know, I mean, it it was a it was a distance off, you know. I mean, it wasn't like right in front of me, but I mean, I can plainly tell that you know it was completely black and dark, like a shadow figure. Um, so about another five to eight seconds, it's looking at me, and then it ducks around the corner again. And um, so I rolled up my machine, I got everything, you know, put together on it, and I, you know, I tear off down the hallway towards it and you know, I get out the doors and I go down the sidewalk and I get down there as fast as I can and of course nothing's around no one's there um, I called the other custodians working there on the radio and there was only two other people on campus and they were on the other side of campus and no one had seen anyone around that shouldn't be there and I mean even even with the lights that were illuminating that corner if, if I were to actually see a person from that distance, I would definitely have seen their clothing or their hair or whatever, some kind of features. But, you know, this was like a shadow um, figure. Uh, I have some more stories that happened on this campus. This, this school is haunted. Um, it's been there for, like I said, 100 years. Um, there's been fires on the campus. There was a little girl that got ran over on the campus a long time ago, and there's a story about her ghost. But um, I just want to guess I'll leave it at that for this one. And um, like I said, I got more stories, and I'll be calling you back with them. Uh, thank you for everything you do. I like your show. See ya. Thank you, Isaac. I'm wondering if it's possible that you're a victim of a school prank. Someone slips on a black full-body suit and pokes around corners. But that theory is pretty easily debunked when you think about Isaac running after the spirit, which I might add is quite brave. I imagine he would have at least seen the jokester if that were the case. In addition, if the figure was even slightly transparent, that would immediately debunk that claim as well. Now the fact that the school is old and has a history certainly lends to the credibility of the story. So please, Isaac, let us know if anything else happens to pop up or peep around any corners. Thanks again for submitting. And while we're on the subject of shadow people in the workplace, I've been sitting on this short encounter from listener Ethan for quite a while. So without further ado, here is his written submission. Hi, Derek. I wrote you several months ago telling my story about how I saw a shadow person in my mother's old apartment the day before we moved out. Now I have witnessed another shadow person, and it made my heart stop. I work in a bowling alley. I am the only person here for several hours before the place opens up at noon. 
The day started just like any other day. I arrived, walked into the bowling alley, and the lights came on because the bowling alley has motion sensing lights. Then I headed toward the back to get my coffee and get ready to prep the machines for the day. For the first couple of hours, everything was going smooth. I was completing my work with no issues. All I needed to do was go back out front and dust all the gutters. I was in the back area of the alley long enough for the motion sensing lights to turn off. The light from the back area gives off some illumination to the lobby, but not much. When I stepped out of the door, separating the back area from the lobby slash game area, I happened to look toward the counter where customers pay for the games. Behind the counter was a black silhouette standing there facing me. No face, just a black shadowy body. My heart stopped with fear because I was the only person that was supposed to be there. Not thinking clearly, I asked, Hello? and I received no response. I stared at it for what felt like minutes. Then, just like before, it vanished from the bottom up. I went back to the back area and locked the door. I did not come out until the place opened up. Even then, I waited for the sound of my coworkers before I left the back area. I'm not sure why this being or beings continue to come near me, but they are truly terrifying. I have never felt such fear as I do when they or it come around. I will be sure to update you on any more sightings as they happen. Your friend and fan, Ethan. I appreciate the submission, Ethan. I certainly wish I had some advice to give you to deal with these entities, but at least take solace in knowing that, to my knowledge, no one has ever been hurt by a supposed shadow person. Thank you again for your submission. Okay, I have one more crazy story to share with you. But before I get into it, I have a few important things I'd like to discuss. If you have a story you'd like to share on the show, simply give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. Lately, I've received many requests for sea and lake monster stories. So if you've seen something strange in the murky depths, please consider sharing that story. Also, a quick reminder that the Season 4 finale is fast approaching, so I highly encourage you to submit your hometown legend story today. Simply email or call in and mention that this is for the hometown legend season finale. The koozies are in and Nick over at Night Animal Records knocked them out of the park. Visit the shop tab on the website to pick one up today. Remember, Christmas is around the corner, so if you have a loved one that listens to the show, a koozie or t-shirt would make an amazing gift. Remember to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, be sure to join the fan group on Facebook. All kinds of fun stuff going on over there. And lastly, I'm overwhelmed with reviews that have been pouring in. You guys are killing it. But let's not stop there. Keep them coming. Five stars and a few nice words go a long way to make the show more visible and in turn results in more calls. So please, rate and review the show today. Alright, I promised, and now I'm delivering. You may recall back on episode 4 of season 4, we heard from caller Scott whom described an encounter with a bedroom visitor that took the form of a chimpanzee. Just when I thought that would be the weirdest call I've ever received, Gail calls in with something even more bizarre. This is her call from the state of Texas. 
Hi, Derek. Um, my name is Gail, and I live in Central Texas. And I've been meaning to call for a while. I love the show. Um, so I'll try to be concise. Um, I've always had a fascination slash fear of Bigfoot. And I think that a incident that happened to me while I was a young girl is probably uh, the reason why. Um, my parents had a... We all lived in a rental house when I was a little girl, probably about five or eight years old, in Thorndale, Texas. Um, and I remember growing up, there was a certain period of time that, come to find out later on, my mom was dabbling in white magic, but of course I didn't know this at the time. Um, but there was a certain period of time in my life where it was I was always very scared and felt very nervous going to bed at night. And it would start off with this little... Sw- I called it, I don't know, it's like, it was almost like this little stardust. It kind of reminded me of, you know, with the Disney symbol with Tinkerbell where she leaves a trail of glitter. It looked like that except it had a greenish hue and it would have this pinpoint spot and it would just fan out from behind and it would just swirl around the room and it would terrify me. I would just put the covers over my head and just pretend that I didn't see it. One time, and this is going to be the weirdest sounding thing, but one time I was, it was doing this little swirling around the room and it swirled in front of my doorway, which I never, I never felt comfortable leaving my door closed. It always had to be open to the hallway because a few feet away was my parents' bedroom door. And even though their door was closed, it was comforting to at least see their door um, at the other end. So I remember this little swirling dust or swirling whatever it it took the form of a t-rex like a tyrannosaurus rex with a white doctor's coat and it had a pad like it was riding something and this is even so weird it had that metal it had that band around its forehead with that big round disc thing that you see from i don't know from doctor shows from back in i guess the 1800s or turn of the century type of thing and it was wearing one of those and it was making these gurgling weird noises almost like it was diagnosing me and it was riding on this pad and I remember scared to death put the covers over my head it's not there it's not there it's not there and I fell asleep like that um the worst thing that happened to me personally was one night I just was laying in bed and I was just terrified and no no swirling dust no nothing just I'm scared to death and I don't know why so I get up and I run across my room I I was was pretty we had a pretty good sized room in this house um ran across my room ran to my parents doorway and to give you an idea the hallway was painted uh, like a eggshell color. My parents' door was powder blue because this is the early 80s and it was like a 70s leftover. So they got the powder blue door with the powder blue door trim and right behind me was one of the windows to my room where the moonlight would shine in and it would eliminate the hallway so I could see the details really well. Well, in front of the doorway there was this huge gorilla body. And when I say a gorilla body, it was almost like a huge Bigfoot body just standing there. And I remember it was blocking my way to get to my parents' room. And I know that I'm not seeing like a shadowy effect because I could see the 
from my parents' blue doorway and trim, I could see the individual hairs poking out, and I could even see a bit of the trim in between its like in its armpit area between the side of the body and the arms. So it had a definite shape, and I could see individual hairs. Some were longer than others, and I remember looking up from the torso, even the chest. The chest was not quite as furry. I could see male nipples, I guess is the best way to term it. And I remember my gaze is slowly going up this animal, and I remember thinking, I, I can't handle seeing the face looking at me. I, I, I can't handle that. And so I said nothing. I didn't make a sound. I just turned around, ran back to my room, and put the covers over my head. Of course, my dad thought that I was just being, you know, silly girl, you know, whatever. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I found out later on that my mom was dabbling in white magic at that time, which I don't know if you believe or not believe, whichever it may be, but it's kind of coincidental that that's when it started happening. Um, she said that she was concerned when I would tell her stories of all the scary things that was happening to me. My dad thought I was just being silly and wanted attention. My mom said she was concerned, but what caused her to stop was uh, reading up or basically give back the book to her friend, the spell book and everything, was one time she was baking a cake. And so she was baking a cake and so, you know, you mix it up and you can see that there's nothing in the batter and anything like that. It looks fine. It looks normal. She sticks it in the oven. What? You bake it for 30, 45 minutes. You take it out. And so she took it out of the oven and was waiting for it to cool. And then she happened to notice that it seemed to be kind of vibrating. And then out of the cake came like these long worms that broke through the cake and started, as she said, dancing around. And she goes, they were like about a couple inches long. They were, they reminded her of like those little bitty sea snakes that you see at the bottom of the ocean floor. And they poke out through the sand and they just sort of dance in the current. She said, that's what it looked like. And there was a bunch of them. So she said it freaked her out. She grabbed the whole thing, pan and everything, just threw it in the trash can outside, and that was it. Gave the book back, never, nothing else. So um, I don't know anything other than that as far as I can't think of any other stories. Um, and I think pretty much everything kind of stopped at that point. Um, anyway, I love your show. Uh, it's one of the best ones out there. Uh, thank you for all that you do, and you can use any of this that you'd like, and uh, and if you don't, that's okay. I know it's not super exciting, but it was my story anyway, so thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Wow. Thank you, Gail. As I discussed back when Scott shared his story, I can't help but feel that whatever entity is visiting these kids actively disguise their appearance with something they think a child would not fear seeing in their bedroom. And let's face it, nearly every child would love to see a T-Rex or gorilla hanging out in their room. The additional detail Gale includes describing the dinosaur as a doctor makes this even more interesting. Is it possible that this entity, knowing it was about to perform some sort of examination, pulled this cliché image of a doctor out and applied it to the dinosaur form? Now I should add that it's no secret that the human mind has a tendency to distort memories, especially at a young age. So perhaps that, coupled with a healthy imagination, resulted in some sort of false memory. 
I attempted to find other stories about these strange visits, but was unsuccessful. The inability to find the correct search terms often stop a search like this in its tracks. However, I will continue to look and certainly keep my ears open. Perhaps with enough people coming forward, we can finally shed some light on these strange guests. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. This episode was written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. I'd like to thank Addie Lloyd for her amazing work on the show's Facebook fan page. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. If you thought you had to travel far to savor the Pad Thai of Bangkok, or to taste the pastries of Paris, take another look. With two times total points at grocery stores, your same kitchen can come with more cuisines. Sapphire Preferred from Chase? Make more of what's yours. Valid up to $1,000 in purchases per month from November 1st, 2020 to April 30th, 2021. Account subject to credit approval. Cards issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC.